while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. I have two guests for the first segment and two guests at the second segment. In our first segment, we will be talking to Gwen Taylor and her husband, Jeff Lindy. Let's tell you a little about Gwen and Jeff and why I have them on the show. They're fascinating people, but in addition to that, Gwen is a consultant for Corn Ferry, and Jeff works at risk for State Street Global Advisors. They have two children, Joel, five years old, and Alan, three years old, and they have a cat named, is it Greg's? Greg's, love it. Gwen and uh, Jeff have lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, for about three years, and they moved there from uh, Brooklyn, New York. The reason I'm talking to these wonderful people today is that uh, they are volunteer hosts, H-O-S-T-S, for Hospitality Homes, which provides no-cost housing for families and friends who accompany loved ones, particularly children in this case, to Boston for medical treatment. So, Gwen, why don't we start with you? How did you get involved with uh, hospitality homes? Was that was that in your mind uh, before you moved from Brooklyn to Brookline, or did that come after? <laughs> no, because I had no idea it was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact. Um, we became involved because uh, we stumbled upon a yard sale, if you want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. We're taking a walk, it's a lovely day, mm-hmm. um, having a yard sale, and I was compelled by a, um, a miniature shopping cart. <laughs> uh, and it turns out <laughs> that shopping cart that Jeff really hates. Yeah. But anyway, it turns out <laughs> that the sh- this whole yard sale was to benefit this organization, Hospitality Homes, that we've uh. never heard of. And so... While we were um, perusing the goods, mm-hmm. uh, I got some information, and, and we, I got to talking to um, to w- one of the people that works there, and I, you know, I got a sense. She said, you know, I said, well, you know, what is this? And, and she says, well, you know, with all the hospitals nearby, because we're right near the Longwood Medical Community, which is where Children's Hospital is, mm-hmm. and Harvard, Beth Israel, you know, a bunch of, bunch of well-known hospitals. She mm-hmm. said, well, 
people come from all over the country. They actually come from all over the world, and we, we find people that can help them. And she's gesturing, of course, in the background of the people hosting this yard sale, and they've got this stunner of a house, wow. you, know, uh-huh. you know, probably six bedrooms and 12 bathrooms and who knows what. And um, we do not have a stunner of a house by any stretch of the imagination. And I said, well, you know, what about people living in a big condo? And she said, no, that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they were renovating at the time, so it actually took a little while before we got it into decent enough shape that they could house somebody there. But, you know, we... Um, we kept it in the back of our mind. We thought that that would be a really great thing to do. And, you know, I got to take home my little mini sharp shopping cart, and that's how it all started. <laughs> Jeff, in your defense, <laughs> how, as it sounds like you uh, feel about shopping the way I do, I like to go and say, this, that's what I want, and I'm out of there. But tell us, how. what are your thoughts about uh, opening your home uh, to strangers who who need, I mean, it's an amazing service, let's face it. What do you think about the uh, hospitality homes, how it operates, you know, and your relationship with them, your communication with them? How many times have you done this, for instance? Um, how many times have we done this? I'd say we've, uh, done, we've done three or four pretty long stretches where people are with us for a number of months. Wow. And then we've done two or three very short ones where people are with us. Short little ones. Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, I'd say... In what, total, eight? you know, eight or nine, yeah, eight Family? or nine, something like that, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we've uh, done it. I, I guess, sorry for cutting in, but I guess what, when you say months, what that translates, I guess I'm hearing, uh, is that someone's child is in the hospital for all that time, and what on earth would the parents do if they're from out of state? How do you, how does it impact on your life, months at a time? I think the impact on us is pretty is pretty minimal because things that uh, might bother other people we have a very high tolerance for you know people in our space people sharing mm-hmm. sharing our table and sharing our home and sharing our time and that that really is not something that uh, that is a burden to us. Sure. So I think actually it's actually pretty easy for us to have people in our homes for 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 long stretches of time. And I, and I guess, first of all, one does have to have a generous spirit, and you two obviously have that. I mean, you have to be willing to accommodate, to compromise. And, of course, if you've got two children and a cat, you, you already know there are things that you have to adjust to and allow for, and loving hearts uh, go a long way. I, I, I wonder, um, have you, I'm sure uh, hospitality homes, of course, interviews both the volunteer hosts and the and the parents oh, yeah. in most cases how did that yeah. go uh, either one of you but Gwen how did that go oh it was a it was a non-issue I mean they do they come over um but trying to remember they come over you know they want to check out the space too they yes. don't just want to meet you so they they send someone over to sniff around and and you know we were still at the tail end of the renovations and like every renovation it was you know, taking longer than yeah. we can. Yes. I think when I came over, we didn't have any doorknobs on any of the doors, and I'm sure some eyebrows were thick. Like, oh, no, no, it'll be fine. I mean, you just push the door, you shut the thing. <laughs> so, it was a little touch and go then. But, yeah, I mean, they, um, you know, they talked to us, and they, they looked around, and they, they screened. The, the, screen's probably not the right word. But mm-hmm. They talked to the people, and they also do um, references. Character references. Yes. So it's not 
And I mean, there are people that are coming to the hospital, so they have to have a sick kid in tow. So it's not like there's um, a lot of concern mm-hmm. that you're going to get something. No, I understand. Wonderful experiences. So, Jeff, why did you decide to do this? Gwen was explaining the garden sale, etc. It just sort of hit you right there on the spot. Um, you just look at one another and go, "This is something we want to contribute." How did that happen? It was it was, it was Gwen's passion first, um, but I think that you know once once we are in the thick of it, I think it's something that we have the resources to provide, mm-hmm. you know, a home for people who need a home and, and logistics and help with, uh, with getting through. And, and if you have that ability and people need it, I think that's your obligation yeah. to provide. This is something that you owe, this is something you owe, you know, your fellow person to do. Sure. Gwen, what's a typical experience, uh, with, um, can you tell any stories, uh, about some of the things that happen as you interact with, Strangers who become roommates, who become friends, I imagine. Boy, a typical experience. That's, that's tough. So we are not we're not the typical host. Uh-huh. Let me just come out and say this. In that um, we tend to take families that are going to need a real long span of time. Mm. And we tend to take families that have not only kids in the hospital, but pro- that also have other kids in tow. Oh. Because... Um, because we're really set up for it. I mean, a lot of the people that are in the program have, like I said, these beautiful but not necessarily child-proof homes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, our house is, you know, <laughs> every surface of our house has already been been peed on and thrown up on and colored <laughs> with, with crayons and, and glitter glue and chalk. So, you know, there's nothing. As I said to the folks staying with us now, I said, there is nothing your kids can do to this house that has not already been done. So, um... So we've had um, we've had crazy, crazy experiences. I mean, in a, in a really good way. We had a we started out with a German family um, that had come over to get uh, surgery for esophageal atresia, which is uh, esophageal condition for their their son. And mm-hmm. they had this was a one year old that was in the hospital. And he had a twin one year old brother and a three year old brother. Wow. And then um, and then you know. They had a nanny with them. That was a that was a delightful surprise. That we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, they were in and out of the hospital, but there were spans of time where it was, um, you know, what does that make? That's uh, one, two, three, four, five kids and five adults. Wow. We got about we got about fifteen hundred, maybe sixteen hundred square feet. And now, when we moved from Brooklyn, it seemed huge because we came from eight hundred square feet in Brooklyn, uh, right? Uh-huh. Nobody made our city. So when we moved into this, it felt like a palace. So <laughs> there is no limit how many people we can jam into the 1,600 square foot palace. <laughs> and it's been renovated and it has doorknobs. So there. And it has, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, open up the door. Anybody out there can come in. But yeah, I mean, there was a point at which um, we were cursed as the mom and I were trying to. Um, pick up one of the kids that have fallen off the back of the couch and, oh, and my five-year-old comes up to me and he says says Tom the one-year-old uh-huh. Tom putting everything in the toilet oh <laughs> I see Kirsten <laughs> <laughs> announced that this was being run like an insane asylum <laughs> so you know that's I mean you know that's and, and we had a, a Venezuelan family with you know that there was all kinds of drama involved with that because 
obviously Venezuela is falling apart and was falling apart as yes. they were over here. And uh, we've had court battles and, and um, you know, people from Africa that have come over with suitcases of food, not realizing that mm. you know, we tend to sell like that here and you actually don't need to bring rice from other continents. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, everything. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, I mean, that is fascinating. I mean, even how they get some of the food into the, the country is a, a big question. But uh, I just, uh, I'm trying to picture it. I mean, I've had roommates, but of course that's different. But how do your, it, it, you, how do your children respond to the other children? They, uh, I guess the parents like you, leading by example, they, they welcome them. I mean, well, children are. You know, so understanding and forgiving, and it's amazing anyway. Unfortunately, most of us grow up. But how how are your children? How's the cat <laughs> with all of this? The cat is a very very friendly cat who always wants to sleep on the bed of whoever is newest in the house. Oh, that's welcoming. Yeah, whoever stays with us has to be okay with uh, with the cat because the cat will be all up in their business. <laughs> very very social, and the children love having other kids around to play with. Um, it's, 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 it's really like it's, pure, it's just a pure positive for them. They don't have any kind of jealousy or this person's in my space. This mm-hmm. person's bothering me. Um, it's it's been a real a real uh, benefit for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Really it sounds like and it's like lots of marshmallows, and I don't think that they. Um, I mean, I, I I certainly don't think they really consciously remember a time when people haven't been rotating through their house. <laughs> <laughs> We're in this weird time period now where they, I think they think that everybody has people rotating like, through their house. Yes. <laughs> Eventually they'll figure out this isn't the case, but we're not up against that yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Well, um, as Gwen knows, I just lost a cat and she wouldn't have, uh, she would sleep with me and my wife, of course, okay. until the new puppy arrived and, and then she would, they would, get it opposite sides of the bed, but uh, that was always an interesting um, dynamic. But I, it sounds to me that uh, one of the uh, questions Gwen and I talked about, or the issues we talked, we're going to talk about, Jeff, you sort of answered, uh, what do you get out of it? What, uh, what, what is the, life tends to be, I believe, a two-way street, and it sounds like you've already paved that, and have uh, have given great examples, but anything else in particular, Jeff, that you as an individual, I'm going to ask Gwen. But what 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 uh, what do you, as a father, husband, how do you feel? I mean, I think it's it's a, it's a great opportunity to show our children by example that mm. you have a lot, you've gotten, you've been given a lot in this life by you know, by fate, by your parents, things that you didn't necessarily earn that you just have. And, and these these are things that you're obligated to share with people who need them. I think that's the most important thing that we get out of this, both doing it as adults and demonstrating it to our kids. I think the demonstrating it, being the example, is, is a huge part of this. I haven't met Jeff, but I certainly have met his wife, Gwen, and... Uh, and you can hear from both of them, these are people who are giving and sharing and loving, accepting a certain responsibility for fellow human beings. And of course, their children are growing up in that environment and learning from that. My father was, uh, my mother too, but my father was really out there for people. Um, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't not. 
He couldn't even pass my mother uh, 50 years of marriage without hugging her and kissing her. So it was just love was in his nature. And you two sound exactly like that. Tell me, Gwen, and Jeff, of course, can chime in, but Gwen, you have recently been TV stars, you two, yes? <laughs> Understand they they did a um, Fox Twenty Five did a uh, a be a volunteer PSA and it probably is going to air through I think June so we'll all get a chance to see it and I I don't know if I mentioned this to Gwen or uh, but I I come from a TV background in New York City and I'm just I was so impressed and also I've seen promos or PSAs for hospitality homes and. Uh, in general, on NBC, I remember um, mm-hmm. Lester talking about that and seeing that some time ago before I met you, Gwen. But um, but your your PSA coming up, I can't wait to see that. What what did you? How did you feel about it? I mean, what was the what what did you glean from that process? Actually, having a television team come in and you know the mic in your face and the cameras going and. Of course, if you let all kinds of people and children and things come into your home, I guess that was that was easy for you. But tell us about that experience. Well, I mean, first of all, anything they can do to promote the organization, they still need um, they need volunteers. I mean, they're you know what prices are like in Boston. Sure. If somebody needs to come stay in a hotel for a month, it can be crippling. So mm-hmm. anything that can be done to get the word out. Um, that they need, you know, more people to donate a room in their home, um, you know, and you can do it on your own terms and on your own schedule, the better. So, you know, people could set up shop in our house with a camera 24 hours a day, as far as I'm concerned, if, if it would generate more, more hosts. But, I mean, it, to a certain extent, it seems a little odd to me that this is so noteworthy. Mm. The idea of having all of this privacy and space is a very American thing yes. that I have not experienced as much when I've gone overseas. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, um, you know, in a way it seems a little strange that having somebody stay at your house can be something that's kind of worth putting on TV, I I hear what but, you're saying. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but that's great if it makes more people want to do it. I mean, there's a lot of upside. I don't think people realize it first, but... You know, um, I, know, I know what you mean. I've traveled Europe quite a bit, and uh, even in the restaurants, strangers can come and sit at the same table where you are. Uh, and I remember the first time it happened to me, I was a little surprised, but heavens, I grew up in a large Italian family, that is, my grandmamas and uncles and uncles and aunts, but um, it wasn't unusual to have a large number of people around the table. But you, you that's an excellent POV, Gwen. I... I hadn't thought of that even when I asked the question. It, it it should it should be more of a norm and not the exception. I got you, Jeff. Whatever in our last minutes, any kind of uh, information you want to give on how we can reach out. We're going to talk to Emma in the next segment, Emma of Hospitality Homes. But if there's any um, any any particular cause or 
social media you want to push or or I'll, I'll even ask this question to are people ever allowed to bring pets or is that that doesn't go we haven't, we haven't been asked yet um i think we would we would probably have to think carefully about that our cat has never had to deal with another cat mm. i would love to have a dog in the house but i don't know how greg, <laughs> so, I don't know how greg Mark, would... you know the door you've just opened jeff is going to start screening families it... trying to find one with a dog okay <laughs> probably so you know that's how my 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 dear dear a departed cat soulmate for had her for 12 years and I went to an animal hospital desperate to find a dog and she was what I left with and of course it was an absolute blessing well we've run out of time this has been exceptional talking to Gwen Taylor and Jeff Lindy uh, and I believe uh, they are referred to as the Lindy Taylors and I love and I heard that somewhere the um, it's a wonderful couple, wonderful life, uh, children, family, cat, Greg's, and they are sharing the greatest thing we can share, and that is our home, our love, our companionship. And thank you, both of you, so very much, uh, Jeff and Gwen, for being on the show today. Thank you. Our pleasure. All right, Jeff, we'll say goodbye to you, but Gwen, if you don't mind st- sticking around and join us while we chat with Emma, how's that? Sure thing. Okay. Okay. Bye, Jeff. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Only Lovers Left Alive is not really a vampire movie because there's no shock, no horror. According to Jim Jaramouche, the film's writer and director, and a granddaddy in the indie world, it's a love story and character study. It is, but it's also a film with a luscious look and feel, full of subtle detail and nuanced social commentary. Jaramouche clearly has a jaundiced view of the current state of humanity. He sets his film in decadent Tangiers and also in modern Detroit, where decay suits the mood of a very tired vamp. Humans are called zombies by the vampire elite, but it's dangerous to feed on them because so much corruption has tarnished their blood. Pure blood procured for cash from corrupt medical techs is treasured for its sensual delights. Surprisingly, Only Lovers Left Alive is an intellectual exercise suffused in a sensual world. It's a personal observation by one who sees beauty in the margins, appreciates intellectual humor, and yearns to share the pain inflicted upon the esthete. No, this is not a driving vampire tale, but luscious vampire commentary. Only Lovers Left Alive, not in theaters, Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. We have added another guest, Emma Galen Adelson, who is the program manager of Hospitality Homes. We have been talking about Hospitality Homes and how Jeff Valendi and Gwen Taylor have opened their home to a number of, uh, I guess, clients of Hospitality Homes. Uh, Hospitality Homes was founded in 1983. They've served 17,000 families and saving because, remember, what we're talking about here is is in addition to the generosity of being caring human beings and sharing the intimacy of your home for people who have children 
in need of medical assistance, there is a cost factor here too, because I think Gwen mentioned in the first segment, it costs a lot to stay in a hotel in New York, Boston, and those those areas, but anywhere really, DC, you know. So Emma, let's let you get a word in. Tell us more about how you got involved with Hospitality Home, and you are the program manager there. So from your point of view, I, I know I visited the website. You can start with this if you don't mind. I loved seeing Make an Impact Change a Life. Tell us. Yes, so I joined Hospitality Homes uh, just about two years ago, and I'm the program manager. So what I do is I assist the guests um, from point of application up through their stay here in Boston and serve as a support and a liaison between um, the host and the guests. So, um, as you mentioned, our, our program provides no-cost housing for families and friends of patients coming to Boston for medical care. Um, and like you said, you know, it's, it's, there's a monetary part, but it's also a sense of family and a sense of uh, knowing somebody in the Boston area, which can be a great help for people uh, who come from all over the country and all over the world. Mm. And Hospitality Homes has been around for 30-plus years, yes? Yes. And how how is it, um, well, let's talk about that. Instead of asking the question, we'll talk about Hospitality Homes, and that's how people, it'll be one of the ways people can hear more about it. I have seen, as I told Gwen and Jeff in the last segment, I have seen NBC coverage of Hospitality Homes, but what can we do? We will mention again websites and things at the end, but... What can we do so that more people know about not only the service that Hospitality Homes offers, but about the, the volunteer hosts like Gwen and Jeff? What can we do? What do you need us to do? Yes, so um, you know, drive people to our website. We have um, an active social media. Our goal with um, volunteers is obviously to recruit more hosts because the more hosts we have, the more families we can help, but also our other main goal is for families around the country to know about us before they need us, mm, mm-hmm. so know about the program at the point um, when they know they'll need to come to Boston for medical care, so that's really important. And Gwen, why don't you jump in, And because obviously, as you were telling us some experiences in the last segment, uh, what would you say to a potential volunteer host? Why would someone do what you are doing for a uh, for hospitality homes? Well, um, you know, there are a couple of reasons. Um, you know, one reason is that, um, you know, I, I think if for someone who is as fortunate as we are to live somewhere like Boston, where we are around this, you know, world-class medical care, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we're right on top of it. So, you know, we get sick, we just walk down the street, Yes. right? And you know what? We haven't gotten sick in any meaningful way. We mm-hmm. have been incredibly, incredibly fortunate. And I, I think that there's a certain depth that we have to our, you know, our fellow people. Mm-hmm. Be there for them when people run into a rough spot in their own lives because, you know, we've been really lucky. And, um, you know, we won't always be, and we may need help from someone someday, but right now we're, we're in a pretty good position to offer help. And and so there's that. There's sort of the, you know, the moral factor. But it's also, um, if you've got kids, 
this is the way to show them that there is a rest of the world out there mm. without actually having to take them mm-hmm. to the rest of the world because I am, you know, there are some brave souls that are flying there, five-year-olds and three-year-olds all over the world to show them other cultures, but I am not one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm importing the other cultures, and I am bringing them to my children. <laughs> wow. And they're in their own home, and so it's a, it's a great side benefit. I mean, you know, they, they have people that they know intimately from Zambia, from Venezuela, from, from Germany. I mean, they only, they, this is how they learn that other languages are a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. It exists more than English. We have a family now that's staying with us that's from Alabama that is our um, almost comically opposite us. I mm. mean, you know, if you were casting a sitcom, you know, you could have been there. And it's been incredibly enriching for all of us to get to talk to people that have incredibly different perspectives and this different life that live right here in our same country. Mm. I value that immensely. Yes. Um, and and I don't think you can replace it. I don't. I, I mean, I think it's it's just a uniquely, uniquely, you know, beneficial and enriching experience for both parties. Wow. And Emma, you you were from Southern California, but you uh, you think of Barcelona, Spain, as your second home. <laughs> Tell us a bit about yourself. What brought you in from uh, from California, and how often do you get back to Barcelona? years ago from Southern California to Boston um, because of my husband's job. Mm -hmm. Um, Before that, I had been living and working in Southern California, and before that, I uh, was living and working in Barcelona, Spain. Ah. Um, Yes. So (laughs) you teach English there, yes? I did. I did. I taught Ah. there for a few years, um, and I try to get back as often as I can, which is not often enough. Mm. And your uh, experience includes working for nonprofit organizations. Yes. So while you moved to Boston because of your husband's job, how did you get involved with uh, hospitality homes? Is that because nonprofit organizations have been a, a passion in your past? Yes, correct. So I've worked both um, at local government levels and then uh, in nonprofit. And when I came to Boston and I found hospitality homes, it was such a, it is such a unique organization. I was immediately drawn to it. I hadn't heard of that anywhere else where mm. people offered their homes to patients and their families. Um, so it was very exciting to be a part of something so amazing and so unique. And you have over 100 volunteer families throughout the Boston area currently? Yes, correct. But the need is still great for more. growing. Um, we're hoping to recruit and, and keep as many hosts as we can. Gwen, uh, and the other thing I will say, let me just chime in. Sure. Is, I, I just fell a myth. It is not the case that when you sign up, Hospitality Homes is calling you and asking you to take in this person or that person. They maintain this beautiful online web form, and when you feel like you are ready to host a family, mm-hmm. you on and you look at all the families that need housing. So it's all on your own terms. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it makes it incredibly seamless and simple for hosts. And it's, you know, if you want to take a break, then all you do is just don't sign up. It's not like you have to say no to someone. So, I mean, they, they really, they've got a system that could not possibly make it easier. I mean, it's great. 
Well, then, thank you, Gwen. I, I was going to ask you a question very similar to that, but thanks for chiming in. Emma, tell us, since uh, Gwen has made this point, that I didn't know at all, tell us uh, then about the website and, uh, you know, the website address, Facebook address. Make certain we have that. We'll repeat it again toward the end. So if people haven't got it, their smartphones or pen and paper, if they're like me, uh, available immediately. But what is the website? What is the Facebook page? How do the, the, our audience listening reach out to you? Yes, so um, our website is available for anybody that wants to either become a host or who are guests in need of our services. And our website is www.hosp.org. So like the first part of the word hospital, H-O-S-P.org. And then um, we can also be re reached on our Facebook page, um, uh, if you search Hospitality Homes Facebook. Very good. Okay, and we will repeat that before we go. So the hosts provide patients' families with a compassionate presence in an unfamiliar city. What the typical people who come, there are two things it seems they, they face. Number one, they, they need financial support for housing because you know, because of what they're going through. You can't just move to another place because your child has to go to a hospital. But at the same time, something I think we should touch on either with you, Emma, or Gwen, or both, they're in a strange place. They don't know where things are located. How do we address that? Yes, so um, the benefit of staying with one of our, our hosts is that they are very familiar with the Boston area and they're familiar with um, the medical facilities. And mm. so upon arrival, many of our hosts, you know, go over with the guests maps of nearby facilities, grocery stores, how to how to navigate. We try to help them navigating uh, public transportation. How mm. are they going to get back and forth from the home to the hospital? Um, and so it is scary for a lot of people. I've had guests come stay with our program that have never been on an airplane before. Mm. And that was very daunting and very intimidating. Um, yeah, we don't but, speak any English. Well, yes, yeah, and on top of that, they don't speak any English. And so our hosts definitely serve as a safety net and, and help the guests. And then us as an organization, we are also here to help with the guests as much as we can navigating this, this what is really scary. It could be a very scary experience. You know, Gwen is always anticipating me. I hardly know her that well, but I was going to ask her next about. I know that about ninety percent of uh, of your your guests come from uh, the the United States to have uh, health care or medical care in Boston, but about ten percent are international. And Gwen was talking about a family. She well, a number of families that were coming in internationally. And of course, language is 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 can be a barrier. How, Gwen, did you deal with that? If they don't speak English at all, have you run into that situation as a volunteer host? Oh yeah, yeah, the family from Venezuela. Uh -huh. uh, we got for four months of um, some Google Translate, uh, high school <laughs> Spanish, wild gesturing, a lot of pointing, really emphatic pointing. Uh, <laughs> It was at times comical. I mean, uh, but, um, you know, our Spanish improved, I'll say that much. Uh, our kids accept Spanish. Um, I don't even think they know the word cupcake in English anymore. I think they'll think of it as a cupcake or whatever. But it works. They get the cupcake. <laughs> 
and, and every time they would say it, of course, Alejandro would find it so cute that she would end up making them cupcakes. So we had a real yeah. vicious cycle of yeah. uh, <laughs> requests followed by pastry production. But, um, no, I mean, you just you, you find a way to get through. It's not, um, you know, there's, there's nothing that... I mean, I would say the principal issue is this. You get people who are both unfamiliar with the town. They're usually um, pretty emotionally strung out on top of that. Sure. Even outside of the unfamiliarity because they're, you know, staring down the face of a very serious medical procedure. Mm-hmm. So at first, they need this combination of moral and logistical support. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, some of it is just like, oh, I just realized that, you know, I'm on my last pair of clean underwear. Like, mm-hmm. I need my... I'm not going to even wash my clothes. Like, a lot of it is just, like, the basic stuff that you don't think about when you're home, but then all of a sudden you're not home. Yes. But then as time goes on, it becomes pretty easy. They settle into a routine, you settle into a routine, and, you know, you're, you know, the next thing you know, you know, you're getting a phone call, and they're like, hey, I'm at Trader Joe's, what do you need? (laughs) That's beautiful. You know, Gwen, I think the the big point we're making here, both you, Emma, and, and Jeff, of course, as well, is that uh, when people reach out to people, it's a common language. When you care about people uh, and you reach out to be helpful, it, it's a common language. And it's always, as I said, I believe in the last segment, I've always found life to be a two-way street. Or as my grandmama would put it, you can't beat God-giving. Tell me, Emma... Hospitality Homes is supported by donations and grants and fundraising events. T- uh, tell us about the, um, I believe you have a, a golf charity golf event coming up soon? Yes, we will have our annual golf tournament, um, which is one of our biggest fundraisers, coming up in July. So if there are any golfers that want to come up to Massachusetts, we'd be happy to have them. Um, and then the rest of the funding, yes, we rely on uh, donations and grants. How do, uh, well, let's let's ask people for donations now. Is there a donate button on the website, or how do they go about that? Yes, uh, when they go to the first page of our website, there's a red square that says donate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, donations can definitely be made online. And it's a good time to mention again that the, the website is www.hosp, as in Paul, dot org. You're on Twitter as well, Emma? And I love um, I love the way Gwen was describing how a volunteer host uh, is in control of reaching out and saying now is the time that I can provide this assistance. Do you have anything to add about that? How the system works that way, Emma? Because that seems uh, I mean it seems perfect. Yes. Um, what we want for our hosts is we want the hosting experience to fit into their lives. Because once it becomes a burden or becomes um, more than their normal day-to-day, we risk losing them as hosts. We want hosting to fit into all of our host lifestyles. And um, Gwen and Jeff are are exceptional hosts that go above and beyond. Um, Mm. But we have other hosts that, you know, they contribute by making their guests a cup of coffee in the morning. So Mm. our hosts don't, we're not, not all of our hosts um, go to just, you know, quite as such lengths as, as Gwen and Jeff, but we appreciate all of our hosts that, that help in all the ways that they can. Excellent. 
we're going to we do need to go soon i just want to just throw out a number here uh, hospitality homes has saved the equivalent of 34 million dollars uh, in comparable hotel fees for over the more than 30 years and how stress again if you will emma the need for new and more volunteer hosts and that if i understood your last comment emma there is um there are different levels in which uh, of commitment. Can you explain that to us too? Yes, of course. What I meant by that is the program guarantees a clean space to sleep and um, access to a bathroom, and then everything beyond that is is what the host feels comfortable providing. Uh-huh. Our hosts are, are so so different and come from such different backgrounds, but they do share some common core values. They're all generous, compassionate, flexible. And, and loving human beings. Um, so their level of participation um, beyond that, is, it varies and it's up to the host, but um, they definitely do share some core common values. Fantastic. And, and I would just chime in and say that, you know, what all some of these families need is, is, is a bedroom and a bathroom for a couple of days. I mean, Jeff and I take the, the, the longer cases with the bigger families, both because we want to, mm-hmm. not because we have to. I mean, it's, it, it, it can be a very simple, short, easy experience. All right, then. Once again, Emma, if you would, I don't want to butcher your name. Did I get it right, finally? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us uh, Facebook, website, Twitter, how uh, so that people can reach out to you, whether they wish to be a volunteer hosts or people in need of the services you provide in Boston. The best way to reach us to go to our website, www.hosp.org, H-O-S-P is in Paul.org, and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Excellent. All right, then. We're going to have to go. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to the three of you, Gwen Taylor and, of course, her husband, Jeff Lindy, in the last segment, and I will try again. Emma Galen Adelson, the program manager of Hospitality Homes. Thank you both so much. Make an impact, change a life. Any last words, Gwen? No, no last words from me. Thanks, Marcella. All right. Thank you both, ladies, and all the best to you. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. In the world most of us live in, we face plenty of challenges. Broken families, financial hardship, unexpected pregnancies, and all manner of complex events. Imagine experiencing these difficulties in a foreign country without money, barely able to speak the language, and with no safety net. Entre Nos is a bare bones picture. There is little backstory. Soon after immigrating to New York from Colombia, Mariana is deserted by her no-good husband, left behind to fend for herself and her two young children. This is the story of her desperate struggle to survive in a strange land. Thankfully, there is triumph in the end. The film was written and directed by Mariana's real-life daughter as a tribute to the mom who had the strength and the will to make her family survive. An especially poignant scene will sear the soul and not soon be forgotten. 
Imagine watching your starving children tear apart an empty bag of Cheetos to lick the dust from the crevices. Then imagine having to apologize to them for conditions not in your control, for a life you cannot change, for the poverty into which they were born. Entre Nos is far better experienced on film than in life. Independent film, where the real stories are told. You can find us on the web at www.indiefilmminute.com. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. The difference between activity, action, and expiration dates. Trump. After the Arab Spring, Americans claimed, 9-11 notwithstanding, it couldn't happen here. Brexit? Never in America. 2016 election, the independently fed up, aided and abetted by Putin, allowed a product of commercialized isolationists branding the Monroe Doctrine as convenient totalitarian international threat to wipe Donald Trump's shoes on Lady Liberty's welcome mat, enticing the underside of democracy with performances depicting the stain on his souls would make America great again. If media action chose more investigative activism than myopic regurgitating, America might have recognized Trump's fifth-grade hyperbole, illustrated an inability to discern reality from show. The question is, do we? When Chuck Todd introduces a news story that has been trending everywhere for over a week, not as breaking news, but rather, you probably know, there is hope that American media may once again be the fourth estate before smartphones, social media, and the failure to read beyond 140 characters finalizes its expiration date. However, golden April showers from Rainmaker Russians makes for mangled election flowers, choking from lost rainforest paradise, tangled in first 100 days action pretense and deceptive activities behind mar a lago walls. What is America's expiration date on giving the Trumped a chance, while Arkansas races the clock with human life expectancy against drug expiration? What is the value of supreme unction if self-inflated Trump's trial balloon Gorsuch chooses GOP Southern strategy over America's merciful soul? Don't incidents of domestic violence increase when corporate and government leaders use bully pulpits to incite violence? What happens when governors, cabinet members, and members of Congress act against LGBT community, equal rights amendments ratification, gender income parity, minimum wage, and budgets of organizations that nurture mind, body, and soul, like Medicaid, National Endowment of the Arts, after-school programs, Planned Parenthood, NPR, the Affordable Care Act, Social Security, National Endowment of the Humanities, and DACA. Aren't we going in the wrong direction when a president doesn't have the sense of direction to know in what direction a very powerful armada is headed? Where is gun violence activity destined when an increase of easily available guns exceeds our financial support for research to cure Alzheimer's disease, autism, schizophrenia, cancers, heart disease, stroke, and perhaps even closed minds. National decay revels in actions that encore history's greatest shames rather than endorse unlimited vision of scientific enlightenment, affordable health care, and the value of funding quality public education.
Russian Trump seeding new growth theory risks reason's extinction by denial. Both gardens of thinkers and thoughtless stewards too preoccupied to cry out from the hacked wilderness fail to hear this last call. The most essential life statistic is the tally of our contributions to fellow soulmates before inevitable expiration date. I'm a fan rarely in disagreement with Andrew Sullivan, but if his theory suggesting Americans voted for Trump because immigrants make them desperate for a reconfirmation of their national identity is correct, then unless we radically change course between 2018 and 2020, our next historical date of note will be the expiration date of our exceptionalism experiment. In April 1564, Shakespeare was born, and for more than five centuries, his work has enriched the soul of humankind. Art, culture, education, history, music, politics, and theater, in all their global diversity. In April 2017, a dozen years after a five-week-old proved actions speak louder than words, by leaping from her crate, past the gloved vet attendant, running up my arm and perching on my shoulder, immediately purring. Soulmate, born with only three good legs, a bad liver, and questionable kidney functions, unbeknownst to either of us, took our last drive together Thursday, April 20th. Staring up at me with eyes eternally grateful, having never forgotten what her life could have been on the streets, she marked me one last time. America still has time, if not to save itself from self-inflicted truth decay, then at least to delay extinction via Trump. But only if we can distinguish the difference between self-serving activity and justice for all, and act like it. Climate change denial is no match for an expiration date. Soulmate taught me, it's not roots, but how we flower. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.